0: Hi, everyone. I'm Patsy Jones, and we're back at Tech Uncensored. We're at Collision, and this is day two. And I am happy today to introduce the CEO of Signified, Raj Ramanand.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Today, we're actually talking about fraud in a good way. This is one of my favorite topics. So Signified is a company that you say empowers fearless commerce. Signify uses big data, machine learning to provide 100% financial guarantee against fraud and chargebacks and approved orders. So let's talk a little bit about exactly what your solution does.
1: Sure. So if you look at the world of retail today, when somebody buys something online and if it turns out to be a fraudulent transaction, retailers have the full liability for that. What that means is that retailers start putting a lot of protections in place. They add friction across the customer journey to be able to manage the liability for fraud. And in return for doing that, they end up turning away or declining millions and millions of dollars of good sales. And so ultimately, the retailer, in response to that 1% of fraud, is turning away somewhere between 10 to 15% of good transactions. And so what we do at Signified is we come in and say something like, hey, this transaction is good and bad or bad to the retailer. And if we say it's good, ultimately the retailer ends up being fully covered by us with a with protection in place. And so what we enable for retailers, this massive conversion on the top line while protecting them on the downside.
0: Okay. So I'm going to go back a little bit. There was a study done by Cybersecurity Ventures and they said global cybercrime costs are expected to reach $10.5 US dollars annually by 2025 and this was up almost 3 trillion from 2015 this represents one of the greatest transfers of economic wealth in history and not in a good way so they even talk about the fact that cybercrime costs organizations an incredible 1.9 million every single minute so i used to work in banking and so from between the merchant and the financial institution. Typically, who bears the cost? How does that mechanism work in today's world when there is a transaction?
1: Yeah, so just to make it simple, if I steal your credit card and I try to buy something from a retailer online, uh, there are three parties in the mix. Me, the consumer, the retailer, and then the bank. In a card not present world where somebody buys something online, the retailer takes the full liability for that fraudulent transaction so the banks are protected and the consumers are protected completely on the outside okay. so that's how the the flow works
0: okay so what are you doing specifically to to help retailers i guess optimize the revenue stream and and mitigate the downside risks
1: so the 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 best way to to think about this is Imagine today retailers are trying to protect about 1% in total fraud that comes in. When you think about the amount of transactions they decline for that, it's somewhere in the range of 10 to 15% of good traffic. So, if you sort of map that back to a physical store, what that would sound like is for every 10 new customers you get into the store, you're turning away one customer from coming in. In the physical world, that would be appalling to someone to say, let's do it. And so, for in the online world, it seems like it's an okay practice. And so, what happens in today's world, and the reason for those declines is because most retailers use traditional rules-based systems. You know, So let uh, give you an example. Somebody says the IP address came from Vietnam. It's shipping to Mexico City at 2 a.m. in the morning. A human being writes that rule and that rule sits there and manually says, I'm going to decline this transaction or turn away this transaction. But There's a lot of good reasons that somebody could be traveling or somebody could be shipping it as a gift to someone, and that doesn't mean they're a bad person. And so what we do at Signified is we have data across thousands of retailers where we study patterns of behavior, and we can identify across our 600 million plus wallets if if some pattern of behavior is good or bad, and we can step into the mix for the retailer as that transaction is happening and saying, retailer, this transaction looks perfectly fine. You don't need to decline them. And if it turns out that we do make that mistake, as I mentioned earlier, we end up taking the full liability. So that's how we sit in the mix and how we do it.
0: Okay. So let's take an example of phishing is happening probably even more, it's becoming more compla- more commonplace today. Somebody could go into Generative AI and say, hey, write me a, a text message that That sounds really appealing, but legitimate to a user so that they could redeem some reward cards. So if that's taking place more often, how easy is it or how, how, I don't know, if your solution can actually adapt to those kinds of situations?
1: Yeah. And so this is the AI versus AI debate a little bit. But one of the interesting examples, I mean, we've all grown up with this. I'm sure you've dealt with it, where you've dealt with the Nigerian Prince sending you an email and saying, I'm trapped somewhere. I need $200. And, you know, our generation probably didn't react so much to it, but the older generation, sometimes like my mom would probably click it and say, Hey, this is interesting. I'm going to help this person. But ultimately what happened is emails used to be so badly written that most people would recognize it and say, this email that came out has grammatical errors. This mustn't be real. With Gen AI, what's happening is anybody sitting in a little cafe in Nigeria, let's say, can easily go into a chat GPT model and say something like, hey, write me an email that's coming from, say, one of the best customer service agents out there saying, you need to log into your account and complete this transaction. And if that goes out as a phishing email to my mother, as a great example, she's going to believe it and trust it because it looks authentic and she's going to click in type her login and password into that bank account or that merchant's website, and uh, they've got that information. So a large portion of what's happening with AI is that the tools are not just available anymore for the good people, they're available for the bad. And they're using that a lot more to be able to commit fraud. Signified systems are built to be able to manage for that simply because we're not looking at one thing that changed or one piece of text. We're looking at thousands of variables on a transaction in real time. And the machine is making the same prediction. It's saying, hey, something is wrong. Raj tends to log in from here. He tends to buy here. He tends to ship here. And his patterns of behavior look in a certain way across transactions. We're not looking at the individual identity of that person, but looking at the behavior of transactions as a whole. And therefore, we can predict with ease that, hey, this particular transaction is not looking good. And from a retailer's perspective, even if we don't get it right every time, if we make that one mistake, we're going to cover them for it.
0: Okay. Let, let's take it more into your the AI right. the modeling. So from it, so you use real-time scoring, identity verification, device fingerprinting, a little bit deeper into what the aggregate. Yeah. Sorry. Can we Okay, we're going to do that one again. Okay? Cuz I was supposed to do it here. Okay, so let's go a little bit deeper into your technology, specifically the AI component. You use real-time order scoring, as well as identity verification and device fingerprinting.
1: Yeah, big picture in, in AI and machine learning, the feedback loop is a super important part of how a machine can learn especially at, uh, in transactional data sets. When you have Gen AI sort of large language models, it's learning across language and context, not necessarily always with a feedback loop. So in the traditional transactional models, you, you need to have that feedback loop. One of the beautiful parts of our business is we commit to paying you back 100% if we make a mistake. And that means it's in the best interest of every retailer to tell us when we make a mistake because we're gonna pay them back in cash. Because we do that, we get that strong feedback loop almost instantly. And with that feedback loop, we can train models at scale. So, you know, there's a lot of point solutions in the market, like, hey, device fingerprint or somebody else is doing an address lookup. We sort of look at transactions holistically across many different variables, thousands and thousands of variables and train models to be able to learn on what is good and bad based on that outcome or that feedback loop we get. And by doing that, we can predict where something doesn't look right because the machine has been able to look at so many different signals to be able to make that decision. And so going back to your question, those point solutions are valuable inputs, but they're not they're knitted together they to make the holistic solution to be able to make the prediction right.
0: Okay, perfect. So for brands and re- retailers who I, I think I, I always say that any, any big institution is always complacent. They're slow to adopt these things. What kind of traction have you had and what advice would you have for retailers and brands who who are experiencing this kind of stuff and they want to mitigate it, but they also want to transform in a way that that makes it easier for the customers?
1: Yeah. So two big trends have led to obviously we, the scale at which we are today, looking at 600 million plus wallets across the globe is a pretty massive, massive number. When we look at a transaction for the first time, when a retailer sees it for the first time, we've seen it 98, 99% of the time. So we've seen someone coming in to buy. And that's a massive amount of data that that allows us to make these predictions. But there are two trends that are really driving that scale and growth. The number one trend is we will continue to see a push into digital. That's just gonna be the natural way people are gonna buy over time. This got accelerated with the pandemic. You saw a lot of companies pushing into the online world and trying to figure out, how do I be able to sell more? Frequently, it could be there was the rise of buy online, pick up in store, which was great. And so there was this whole push into digital. That was number one. The second wave is coming through with the the way the economy is positioned right now. And it's going to be that way for a little bit of time is that as the economy worsens, you start seeing a lot of growth in fraudulent behavior from first-party buyers you know these are people who are actually good buyers but have some level of buyer's remorse frustrations with working with that company so as an example you're seeing people buy something you know say tickets to a concert and they come back after the concert be like that was two thousand dollars for six tickets i'm going to file a chargeback and say i never did the transaction you're seeing people who buy something and then it gets delivered to their house, like, a, say, an iPhone or, or, or an electronics item or anything else, and then claim they never received it, even though it was delivered to their house because it was, hey, this was 600 bucks. You know, if, if your policies are easy, you're seeing the last one I'll sort of give you as an example is with the rise of easy customer policies that have been built over the years. I buy something. I know your return policy is 30 days out. I'm going to wear it for two weeks or three weeks and then come back and return it. It's called wardrobing is a way. And you're starting to see all these abusive behaviors grow that merchants can't separate what's good behavior from bad behavior. It's easy to go back and say, I'm not going to let this person buy because they've returned it twice. But do you really want to do that because that person may have just returned it for good reasons. Their Their lifetime value might be a lot higher. And that's where I think that you'll continue to see the massive growth in needing to separate what is good from what is bad and being able to do that at scale as you continue to build your business and, and scale your retail business.
0: That, that, that seems almost difficult to do. Basically saying a person is good in 90% of the cases, but sometimes, you know, they just want to save a little bit of money. Is that something that you could actually separate or, or identify?
1: You can. And this is the power of having thousands of retailers within the network. You start to see buying behavior. You start to see when people do certain things. You obviously want to make it easy for the customer to be able to do things with you, take out the friction from the process. But you also want to be able to identify which ones are not going to be great lifetime value customers for you. And as a retailer that's out there today and growing my business, the best way to scale is to be able to grow your existing customer base and value tremendously when you get a new user because you wanna make their experience beautiful. And that's where we come in at Signify to be able to help you identify which ones of these are really valuable and how you should be able to allocate the right structure to support them in the right way.
0: Great, thank you. Okay, so one last question. What is 2023 look like for you?
1: 2023 has a a couple of great things in the works. One is the changing trend, as I mentioned. Account abuse is on the rise for us in, in the retail space as a whole. And what that means is a demand for Signified services being really important to them. The second is just with the economy going the way there is, there's a big push on cost. And one of the things Signified does tremendously well is... To reduce your cost of ownership. So if you think about fraud in general, and I started with this and sort of, I think it's valuable, about 10 to 15% of all orders that people turn away today are good. When you think of that in the scheme of things, that's $400 billion on an annual basis that's being turned away in the economy. What our role is in the world today is to be able to continue to put that 400 billion back into the world. I said 400 million, 400 billion back into the world simply because that helps continue to grow the economy. But on the other hand, it's also to take out the cost, the cost of hiring, you know, 50 new engineers, 100 new data scientists, 200 new rules writers. These are costs that businesses have to manage if they have to manage it themselves. Not only do we help them grow their top line, but we help reduce a massive costs so you can re- repurpose people to be able to work on different problems that are core to the business and let fraud not be one of those. And by doing that, we can really pay for a lot of the business elements that they have today that they need to grow by being able to implement a solution like us while also getting that guarantee that if something turns out to be bad, we'll cover it. So 2023 is all about that cost reduction for retailers so that they can continue to scale, being ready for this account abuse wave, and then continuing to help these guys grow their top line.
0: Perfect. Thank you. Well, good luck this year. And thank you for joining me today. Wonderful. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And we'll be right back.
1: Tech and Censored, an altitude accelerator podcast, does not constitute a recommendation for any organization, product, or service. It's produced and distributed by BlueMax. For more Tech and Censored content, subscribe where you get your podcasts and visit bluemex.io to join us on Discord.